Well, it was fun while it lasted, but all good things come to an end. The Brisbane Roar are out of the FFA Cup, but the good news is we still have a Strikers quarterfinal to look forward to. All that and the conclusion of the State Leagues coming up on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. You know, I don't really know what it is about the Raw and Late Nights at uh, Redcliffe, but that's what you get. Anyway, welcome to the Brisbane Football Review FFA Cup Round of 16 Recap and NPL Finals Preview Special. I probably will try and shorten that out. I'm James, and I'm joined by Scott and Adam for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Guys, how are we? Yeah. James, Scott. Good to see you again, James. Yes, I'm still sleep deprived, but that was from going to see Hugh Jackman in concert last night, not from last week at uh, Redcliffe. Good reviews. Fantastic. It was a good. It was a good concert. Maybe they can get him for the A League Grand Final this year. <laughs> Can't be worse than Jason Derulo, can it? Uh, hey, oh. that was fun. The whole crowd of Suncorp Stadium booing him in unison. Yeah, Hugh Jackman, a half half jersey. I'm like, that might actually get people in. Anyway, um, yeah. So it's Brisbane Football Review FA Cup Round of 16 recap. Uh, got a lot to talk about this afternoon. But before you do that, you can get in contact with us via. Facebook, The Raw Review, four years in and we're still trying to change that. It's a long story. Thanks, Facebook. Twitter, at BNE Football. Uh, just search for Brisbane Football Review on that as well. Instagram, yeah, we'll save that for later. Email, Review at gmail.com. Uh, we're here thanks to Daily Football Show Fan Network as well. Uh, check out their podcast as well, but after you listen to ours... And I think that's all the plugs I need to get into. I'm and all and uh, our podcast and all good podcast platforms. That's why you're here today to help me through this. That's um, not his one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take it, it's yours now. <laughs> anyway, we've got a lot to talk about. Let's get started with the Raw two-two Central Coast Mariners. Raw end up getting eliminated in a penalty shootout. Boy, it's amazing how quickly things can change in the space of a few weeks. Everyone was riding high after they knocked off Sydney FC, but Adam, what went ha- what went wrong? Oh, look, I think it's a number of things. I think um, Central Coast, they were, they were up for it, and perhaps uh, the Raw weren't. Like, they, they played well, but I think their finishing left a lot to be desired, uh, which seems to be the, the usual story for Raw some of the time. Um, obviously, new new system, new style, and, yeah, look, at the end of the day, you know, it was, yeah, they'll knock out the cup, but, you know, when you look at the long game, it's a 2-2 draw. They came back twice. You know, I think, you know, disappointed with the result but the performance I don't think it's anything to sort of you know certainly you know turn on the club just yet I think what went wrong is a couple of pretty ordinary penalties isn't it I mean I thought the actual 120 minutes was really good I think both sides created plenty of opportunities both probably think they probably could have scored more goals O'Donovan missed a couple of chances for Raw 
Matt Simon missed a bunch of chances for Central Coast and wind up on penalties and as the cliche is they're a lottery and on the, unlike 2011 in the grand final when it went the Raw's way then something went the Mariners way yeah I think it's one of those games I actually kind of wish that I was more of a neutral for that because I would have enjoyed it a lot more but yeah it was it was a real it was going to have plenty of ebbs and flows I think that was a big thing that stood out for me in the fact that like Tommy Orr showed the flashes of you know why we all thought he was Australian football's next big thing when he burst onto the scene for the I think it was then Queensland rule but it was just, yeah, back and forth. I think there's a lot to still take away from that as a positive. But, yeah, Central, maybe Central Coast are better than we thought they were going to be. Yeah, Tommy also then showed you why he's dropped back from being one of Australia's bright young prospects to a player who's struggling to maintain an A-League starting 11 position because he was pretty anonymous. I thought Samuel Silvera, when he came on, he was a real difference maker for them. Just energy, bright spark. I think it's something the Mariners have really lacked, his creativity in those wide areas. And he might be able to bring that to them. He looked really good when he came on. It was interesting, Dan, also as well, that uh, Central Coast's uh, defence was pretty much decimated. Uh, they were playing with a ba- basically a makeshift back four. And, and, and the fact is that they, even though they did pretty much collapse sort of twice, you know, you know basically uh, Inman's uh, goal just after half-time and then, you know, conceding the penalty just after Silvera scored to put them in front, um, probably showed showed a bit of some, you know, some frailties but uh, Dylan Fox and uh, Ziggy Gordon I think they, they are very good for Central Coast um, especially Dylan Fox and just just joined the side pretty much a week prior so I think you, you can look at you know it sort of you know from the point of view that you know I think Mariners you know while I still think they may struggle during the sort of length of the A-League season I think for now I think it's a positive for them going forward because like I said they need some positive better, somewhere Definitely oh, a better side than they were last year, it looks like. On paper, you'd say so, but then again, you know, a few key injuries and, you know... Also on performance, though, I thought the Serbian midfielder added quite a bit as well, and he was only a relatively new yeah. addition as well. There's a lot to like there, but on the Raw... Milan Juric. Yeah. yeah, there's also a lot to like about the Raw as well. This is the first time we've seen them play in person against an A-League opposition this season. They were they controlled a lot of the game. They played that new Raw style where they bring the ball forward, they keep possession, get some crosses in from the wing-backs. So I thought they played quite well and they probably should have got more out of it if they took their chances because they O'Donnell had, had two or three really good chances he he squatted Stefan Moore had one from about the edge of the six yard box that could have gone and if they go in it's a completely different game yeah I think we were all in in the box when that happened and I screamed out why did he take that with the outside of his right foot <laughs> when you know maybe if he swings yeah. his left foot at it instead it's yeah. just a bit more of a better angle but I feel like it, like I'm not getting too discouraged from that yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think there was a lot to take uh, from that. And let's hear what the manager, Robbie Fowler, had to say after the match. I'm pleased with lots of things tonight. I thought we, uh, we put in a good performance. Um, probably deserved to win the game, being honest. You know, it does become a little bit of a lottery in, in penalty shootouts. Um, but, lucky, I think I can be rightly proud of the lads. I think they gave everything. Maybe lacked a little bit of, or, you know, a little bit of luck in the, in the final third or towards the end of the game. Uh, but look, you know, as I said, we're obviously massively disappointed. We want to do well, but I can't fault the boys. I thought they were tremendous, really did. Um, you know, you come here uh, in front of a, you know, an unbelievable crowd. The crowd were magnificent. Got right behind all the team, um, and obviously, sorry we couldn't do much more than you know, than what we did. But you know, we gave it a best shot. You know, I thought we probably did deserve to win the game, uh, but you know, it's, it's, sometimes you get good results and you get bad results. I was actually surprised at how disjointed Robbie Fowler was after that game. It looked like he really took that loss to heart. It did, didn't it? It took a while to come down and talk to us, but he did. I think when he eventually did come talk to us, he was really positive in the way they played and 
I think that's that's actually accurate because they did play really well in this game and we just talked about they could have won this game with some of the chances they created. I mean, it's it's also disappointing because I think he really wanted to get off to a really great, really good start, bright start, go further in the cup than the Raw had been before. Obviously, we've talked about it before they haven't had the greatest of FFA Cup history, the Raw, and this is probably the best they've ever done actually because they got to, to penalties in the round of 16, which is better than they did all those years ago. But I think he wanted to go further, so disappointment. But I think he's also probably when he looks back on it, yeah, we played some good stuff. Well, the thing is, is that. Um where, where is sort of his, his main objective? Is it, you know, winning the FFA, the FFA Cup, you know, in November, or is it to be in the business end, you know, next March? Like, you can, like, of course, that, you know, fans are going to be disappointed. You know, they want the club to win everything they can. But, you know, sometimes you say, you know, with a result like that, when you go out 2 2 on penalties, yeah. you know, you say, okay, disappointing result, but at least the performance there. This, it, the side is building, and you've got to remember, this side is still only yeah. three or four games, you know, you know, old. So, it's it, it's a case of, you know, yeah, it's disappointing, but, you know, there's a silver lining. And yeah. look, it's, it's got to be better than, you know, going bounced out 5-1 yeah. by Melbourne Victory in a, in, in a previous see, season. Yeah. So, you know... I still think he brings that British mm. mentality of, it's the FA Cup. We always want to win the FA Cup. Every, every time you hear an English club in it, even if their team suggests otherwise, they're always saying, we want to win the cup, it's important, it's historic, etc. I think Robbie brings that mentality, so I think he is disappointed to be out of it. it as is, much yeah, as he's probably yeah. proud of the way the team mm. played. Yeah, absolutely, and I do think that is the advantage of hiring someone who has played at that level as well, where he's going to come in and say, every game matters, yeah. and that's that's at least something good to take out of it as well. Uh, the one point I did want to make, Ramadak Bari, I think, probably had a bit of a rough night as well, and You'd hope, like, I think he probably would have been one of those players that would have loved them yeah. to progress so that he gets another competitive match yeah. to try and get his confidence up as well. I think it's a reward for the fact he was in the starting 11 in Sydney when they beat Sydney FC so well. I think it was a reward for those 11 players. Look, I'm going to play you again, same position, same way. You earn your spot, you play well, you keep your spot. And I think that's why Ramat played. It wasn't the greatest of performances from him. Aiden O'Neill, when he came on, was was really good. But I think I think that's you probably will see Ramat play a lot more in that position over the course of the season. Absolutely, and also it is going to breed the competition in yep. in within or within those players because you've got Akbari, you've got O'Neill and what and whatnot. Yep. You got those guys that say, "All right, well, I can't I can't afford to have you know one two bad games because there's going to be someone behind me waiting for waiting to uh, take my spot." But you also do have um, guys that are you know going to try and make sure that they don't get injured as well because we know injuries were an issue last year and the Raw were missing Aaron Holloway and Dylan Wenzel-Halls. Yeah, well, that's also the other other thing with the attacking sort of, you know, front players that, you know, for the likes of Akbari and and whatnot, that they they know that you know Wenzel Halls is going to be back. They, they know Marty Holloway at some point is going to be in. So competition for places, it's only a good thing. And um, so I think, you know, obviously with young players, you're going to get, you know, sometimes rocks, you're going to get diamonds, you know, from... And that's, that's the whole thing about being young players, is that, you know, you can't expect them to put... You, you can't know, expect consistency, Consistency yeah. all the time, you know, that's the thing. And he'll learn from that. Um, so, yeah, look, I think you're right. I think he will he'll be a pivotal part of the squad. And like I said, it is a squad thing, especially for a long season. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, he'll take his opportunities when they come. But, uh, look, it's certainly not a bad thing to have at the moment for the Raw. Absolutely. All right, I want to move on to the penalty shootout. Cause Scott... Before we do, can we talk about the goals the Raw can see? I think it actually, yes, Mariners, actually, the Mariners actually showed a way that Sydney didn't do, because they got in behind the Raw in those wide areas, and it did cause the Raw 
a lot of problems. You think back to that second goal that the Mariners scored, the ball over the top from the right over to the left back, just over the top of Gillespie, and Silvera was there. Oh, Simon was there to cut the ball back to Silvera. I think that's something the Raw might need to just look at slightly because it's not the only time that happened. Matt Simon had a free header as well from that, not long after, into extra time actually, when he could have made it 3 2. And actually, I think the first goal also came from a ball into that right hand side channel there. So I think the Raw. They might just need to look at how they can counteract teams playing the ball into the wide channels defensively. Yeah. Just something they might need to look at. Especially, it's early in preseason, yeah. of course, but that's something they might need to look at. It's especially, yeah, they're now going to a pronounced three at the back. Yeah. It's not this, oh, three into five, and, you know, like so the, the John Allen yeah. three at the back. This is, it, it's clear that, you know, Robbie Fowler wants to play a pronounced three centre-backs yeah. at the back, the two, yeah. two wing-backs you know, defending yeah. as well as attacking. So that's something that, you know, yeah. the guys need to sort of yeah. work on. But again, we're talking yeah. about, you know, two months into a very yeah. long campaign. Yeah. It's, it's just one of yeah. those things you want to tweak over the next few weeks in the remaining games before the start of the season, just tightening up slightly at the back, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other point as well, I just wanted to make on normal time as well. Brisbane came back from uh, deficits twice in this game. I think that is... like The last couple of seasons, we've seen times where they've gone down early and the heads have dropped, whether it's just purely from you know the feeling overwhelmed already because you've got a bunch of guys playing in large part due to injury... And also the fact that, yeah, they, they were able to pull it straight back. I Like, when uh, Silvera scored in, what, 83rd minute yeah. or something, I thought, oh, jeez, you know, this is... I think a lot gonna, of people thought that way, in fairness. This is going to be one of those kick-in-the-guts losses. But, you know, right away they went after it and managed to pull it back within 90 seconds or something. Yeah, that's actually the more telling one. Not so much the first one, because they had t- took time to build that, worked into the game, credit them. It was the second one when they considered that, that second goal... And they went straight down the other end and got the opportunity to get back into it. I think that that's, tells of the um, spirit in the group, which is strong, which is encouraging. Definitely. Okay, now, penalties. Uh, you came up with this stat, or you found this stat, Scott. Yep. Uh, Brisbane's penalty shootout record is now played for 1-2, lost 2. Now, we know there was Orange Sunday 1. Mm-hmm. Now, the other penalty shootout win was? It was the semi-final against the Wanderers, 6-5, I think it was. It was actually a really good, high-quality shootout, actually, from memory, because yeah. it was... I think it was only one miss, it, it wasn't was it? was high quality. I don't know if it was good for my nerves. No, it was certainly nerve-wracking, uh, but it was 11 good penalties and one ridiculous one. Was that the one that Junpei Kushikami yep. missed? Yes. The Sunko. No, yeah. it was a save by Jamie Young. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, there were a couple of nervy ones there, but most of them were really good. Yeah, that's right. I actually think, think Corey Brown, from memory, had the best the, penalty of that shootout. Can you, can you remember the other loss? Yes. yes. It was awful. Yes. Awful game followed by an awful penalty shootout. That thank, was the, thank, thankfully, it was on, on home soil or any Buriam soil. United, yeah. I believe, in Thailand yep. in the 2013 yeah. Asian Cup qualifier. Yes, a nil all yep. snooze test. They were lucky to hold on for 120 minutes. Then I think it was a 3 0 penalty shootout loss. Yeah, it was Bar- pretty and average. Both, yeah. We're... I think Maya missed as well, actually. And yeah. Mike Mulvey got a contract extension right after that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, That worked, to be fair. So, <laughs> lesson learned from that. If the Raw go to a penalty shootout, pray it's at Suncorp Stadium. Yeah. Mm. All right, uh, let's move on. We've got uh, three more FFA Cup games to get on to, and uh, we'll touch very briefly on uh, Magpies Crusaders losing to Moreland Zebras because, well, there's only so much we can take away from a game that we were streaming during a yeah. very, very exciting Olympic versus Adelaide game. It was tough, really, that one. For them. They flew down on the day of on the, the morning game. morning of, yeah. Probably had a really early morning to get down there, a fairly long... Long by MPL's side's travel as well. It probably took a lot out of him, and I think Kyron Walters red card at 2-0, I think it was when that happened. That pretty much quelled any chance of a comeback. 
But look, it's a great effort for them to get down to the round of 16 for the first time as a club, and we'll get to their NPL form in a minute, but it's a good achievement to get to where they got to in the Cup. Definitely. Yeah, I, look, I think um, Morla might have actually... Um, might be a bit better than what we sort of gave them credit for. You know, I thought that Magpies were to be compared. I didn't, didn't think they could win because obviously there was a lot of um, sort of obstacles to obtain. Obviously, you know, travel, try and travel day of the game um, was always going to be tough. Uh, but but yeah, look, more than they they look all right. Um, and, and you know, they, they actually they're the first, as I said before, they're the first um, you know second tier member federation club to make it to the quarterfinals. So. We'll see what happens. We also got to give Michael Lyle credit. He fooled the three of us in the press box at Park de Perry, thinking <laughs> he'd scored when he hit the side netting. I think uh, James's phone went off, and we watched the replay of it. It looked like a great strike into the top corner, but the outside of it. Yes. Well, I've disabled notifications from the <laughs> app, which told me there was a goal there. Um, Other so football apps are available. Yeah. Yeah, I've got three. And <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So commiserations to Magpies Crusaders, but. You know, the, their story looks like it's going to continue at least for another season. Yep. Uh, but we'll get onto that in the NPL section. Uh, the game we were at that night was Olympic 2, Adelaide 3. And, oh man, football sucks sometimes. It really does, doesn't it? Olympic did not deserve to lose that game in 90 minutes with the chances they had. Again, you talked about the raw fighting back from a goal down twice. Olympic did the same thing. And some of the chances they had, I think Lofthouse hit the crossbar. Chris Lucas had a couple of chances late on. They really could have won this game, and it would have been a great story if they did, but it's fine margins football, isn't it? Yep. One of those chances goes in, all of a sudden Olympic are into the quarterfinals and look like they are look like they could go even further, but it's just it is fine margins sometimes. I think the best part of that game as well, like if you're looking for silver linings from an Olympic perspective, is it never really looked like Adelaide were able to take control of that game. Like, top to bottom, front to back, like... It seemed like there was always a chance that Olympic were going to be able to peg them back. I think for the second year running, I think Adelaide United, I think, would be very, very fortunate to escape Perry Park. Like Lions. Sorry, mm-hmm. what ground was that? Oh, sorry, the um, Estadio Perry. Uh, the park, the park, the Perry. That's better. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me about that. Um, yeah, look, that Lions really took it to them last year, and again, I think Olympic, you know, were very, very, you know, close. I think they, they, you know, they should be all very proud of their efforts because they really took. No, no, Adelaide United to, um, yeah, they really had to go. But um, Al Hassan Toure looks looks very good for Adelaide. I think yeah, you know, he's a young, up and coming striker. Um, yeah, and, and it's sort of an unfortunate penalty in the end. It was probably clear, but um, but yeah, look yeah. at the end of the day, other than the result, again, very very disappointing you know, and heartbreaking for Olympic. But on overall performance, you know, be very very proud of it. It was a pretty soft penalty that gave away the match, but I do think Adelaide had a shout about 10 minutes earlier, a much more legitimate shout about 10 minutes earlier that was denied. So, swings and roundabouts in football. I think Alex was actually admitted that in the post-game press conference, didn't he? He said that, yeah, that one probably wasn't a penalty, but the one earlier was. But to your point about Al-Hassan Toure, he was really impressive. I think as a young player, 16, 17-year-old, the way he's... Is that young? I know. The way he's led the line for Adelaide United (laughs) in the two games in the Cup so far, he's looked really impressive. And you've got to give Adelaide a lot of credit because historically they do give a lot of players from South Australia either young players from their academy or players mm. from that MPL setup down there an opportunity and it continues to deliver for him and Al-Hassan Toure looks like the next one along that conveyor belt so it's, it's he, funny, looked, he was really impressive it's funny as well because we've obviously followed Adelaide United for a long time through MYL and all that and we and well, Al Hassan Toure has actually been in the system for a while now he never really stood out and um in, for Adelaide in the youth league, there's always uh, Pacific Nyongbari and uh, 
uh, Aladdin Irabona that would seem to be the two that may be the next be the next generation of Adelaide United Australia. But he has come from nowhere. And obviously, um, so obviously he's gelling well with the way that Gertrude and Verbeek's training, his methods and all that. And because he is obviously, you know, just out of sight at the moment as far as the young young brigade goes. And just to note, overall from an Adelaide perspective as well, because I know we've got a few people listening uh, from down there as well. Like, they've got to be happy with the fact that, you know, they haven't looked good, but they do seem to be... They didn't look good in this one, but they do seem to be steadily building as well. And, you know, that led them to an FFA Cup win last year. They've got the blueprint on how to go deep into the FFA Cup down path. I think this is their fourth quarter final or something in in the six years. It's an unbelievable record they've had. I think, I I think they've been the most successful, yeah. I think, yeah. I know we talk about how their record at Parc de Prix is not great, and also when they do win, it's, it's kind of fortunate. But, but they're winning. But well, they get... Deep in the FFA Cup, they've been to three finals, I think, now in six years, one, two, so they've really got the FFA Cup figured out. Well, you know, you know, ask Arsene Wenger, how much does style points count in knockout football? No, no, that really one, no I think that is, question. to be honest, I think that is actually the key to Adelaide United. I think at the end of the day, they're not, it's not convincing wins, especially in the early rounds, but they're still winning, they're still, winning, they're still progressing, yeah. and at the end of the day... You know, by the time that they, they get to the point in the season, they've they've been formed and that's they're going on with it. So yeah, I think that's the lesson we learned is that you know, results results over substance. Yeah, exactly. And you know, at this point in the preseason as well, you don't want to be playing you know ten out of ten uh, performances because well, you don't. Well, it's basically a case of peaking too early. All right, uh, we've got to keep moving, but um, strikers, we've still got a Queensland team yes, left. One left. We had yes. four. We're down to one. Yeah, so uh, it was a goal from Matthew Richardson on the hour mark that got them past Manly United in a game that the parts that we saw again seemed to be a real arm arm wrestle. Yeah, it looked like a real, it did look like an arm wrestle. That's the best way to describe it, based on what we could see on the live stream when we were up at Dolphin Stadium. I mean, it, it's a game that could have gone either way. It's it's a classic first goal wins almost because Manly had a couple of chances later on. It looked like, but it just seemed like it was going to be one of those games decided by a goal. And luckily for Queensland and the strikers, they got it. Yeah, look, I think two sides, I think, are just very, very evenly matched. And look, you, you play a game over, you know, 10 times, and, you know, they probably split it 5-5, because it's just it's just a case of, look, they took the, the, um, they took the moment, you know, Jake McLean free kick, Matthew Richardson's uh, got his head there, and, um, yeah, that, that's the, that was the um, defining score. So, look, again, very, I wouldn't say fortunate, in the end, you, you make your own luck, but... Again, two even evenly matched uh, sides. That's the young defender, not the um, former AFL forward. Oh, I tell you, and, what, and the, I tell you uh, what, yeah, uh, seeing yeah. seeing how Matthew Richardson's kicking at the moment, I think I'd rather the uh, the young uh, centre back. For... And that's the last <laughs> AFL reference you're going to get from me for the entire season. So, <laughs> and wait, so you're telling me that the strikers' goalkeeper is not from ACDC? It could be. Mm, yeah, well, you never know. All right, Adam, we're going to keep going with you. Quarterfinal mm. draw. Strikers have wound up getting Moreland Zebras as well, so we'll get to see them up close on the 18th of September, I believe, at uh, Estadio de Paris. Uh, yep. Yes, uh, it's whatever that Wednesday yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the second Wednesday, isn't it, of the yeah. the um two quarterfinal dates? I think yep. it's Tuesday, Wednesday. It, I, yeah. yeah, I think it's they're showing the A League clash for some reason, Melbourne City and Wanderers, and oh, who cares? We'll and be. the game at Parc de Prix is the the alternate game, which I found weird, but anyway. Well, you know what that means? Get to Perry Park. Yep, I yep. think so, and, and that's exactly it. You know, 
Per, uh, yeah, Strikers going for history. They'll be looking to be the first Queensland side into the semi-finals. So, yeah. whether you, you know whether your allegiance yeah. uh, normally you know for or against Strikers, you know at the end of the day they're yeah. Queensland side representative, and I think they deserve to get behind them. It's a good opportunity for the Strikers if they are looking to potentially alien expansions back on the agenda again. And if they are looking to be that second team from Brisbane, then this is a great opportunity if they can fill out Perry Park for a quarter-final. And even if they potentially go to a semi-final after this, potentially if they can get, if they can go f- deep into the tournament and get good crowds at Parc de Paris, that's the best thing they could do for their case. Well, if, if Hume City knock off uh, Central Coast Mariners, which you know you say, well, you know you, you almost call that fifty-fifty game. You know you're going to have a potential of a all um, all member federation semi-final, and then you know you're going to get out get the first um, finals from that out. Of that so I, I believe that teledraw works where. You, I think yeah. the semis are an open draw. Actually, It'd be interesting to see how they do that because yeah. they've never had two. Yeah, never had two member federation clubs in the semi-finals, so I don't, it's never been tested. Yeah, quote me, quote me if I'm wrong. I, that's, I thought I might have read that somewhere where, in in that case, if, if say for example, if Central Coast lose to Hume City, basically the the parents are set. It's the two A League clubs and two member federation clubs. But again, it's never happened before, so we don't know. You know what happens there, but that would be very interesting if it did. We still need an open draw in the FFA Cup. I mean, we really, really do. Just, to, just to end this sort of is it that is it? Yeah. Not, just open draw, please. Yeah. You can have MPL teams at home to A League teams if it's drawn the other way. That's fine, but just have it open. Actually, no. The only, I would happily take a semi-loaded draw. I think it is if it was guaranteeing that state uh, state clubs did didn't face off against each other so you wouldn't wind up with that situation last year where it was Lions it's, versus Olympics it's like adorable. the Champions League rule where you can't yes. drawn yep. in the same group as someone from the same well, like, country even if yeah. it's just for the round of 32 that is the only draw stipulation I would happily take the only thing is you don't have to look at the uh, redistribution because I I think um, it's mathematically very very possible let's say for example two New South Wales or two Victorian teams because the number of teams I don't think you can actually separate them so Again, just thinking on the fly, I have to, have yeah. to look at it forensically, but yeah. Well, look, that just popped into my head about 45 yeah. seconds ago, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no one can accuse me of uh, having well-thought-out opinions on this show. <laughs> All right, uh, we've got to keep moving as well, so we're almost finished segment one. Uh, we're going to close it off with a little bit of uh, Brisbane Raw news. We'll start off with the Surf City Cup, which would have liked to have gone down to, but unfortunately it was the final round of NPL and NPLW, which did we decided yeah. to... It's a busy weekend, pre- actually. Also Father's Day as well. It's a busy weekend. Oh, yeah, that too. Happy yeah. Father's Day, Dad. Whoops. Anyway. Uh, Bruce... I know he'll be listening. <laughs> so my, so my dad. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Mine again. won't be, but happy Father's Day uh, anyway. I pulled double duty on Saturday with my uh, nephew's <laughs> birthday. <laughs> anyway, so the Raw played Perth Glory Friday night. Uh, it was a goal from Ingham yep. that made the difference. And yeah, by all accounts, it was yeah. encouraging, especially considering it was largely their NPL side because of the yeah. fact that it was, uh, what is it, 48 hours removed yeah. from the game at Dolphin Stadium. And that had ramifications for the NPL, which we might get to later on, but I don't really feel like. But it's 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 actually encouraging for the Raw. They've managed to beat Perth, Glory and Newcastle with understrength teams. And I know Perth and Newcastle weren't 100% strength either and were probably in the middle of some ex- intensive training camps. But that's encouraging for for Robbie Fowler, look at the fact his squad is capable of beating A-League opposition at this point of the year with such young players. Because a lot of these players are NPL players, basically, who played particularly on the Friday night. There are a few more A-League players on Sunday, if you like, but to be able to win this Surf City Cup, highly prestigious tournament, put it in the trophy cabinet. But it's, a nice trophy. it's it's encouraging for the squad to be able to achieve that. 
Look, I think as well, like the, the squad that played on, the Stone side that played on Friday night against Perth Glory, when your most capped player is Jacob Pepper. Yeah, your captain. Your too, captain, yes. Yeah. So, so, but I said, um, you know, special highlight, you know, for, for a Dante Mariner who come on, he actually set up the goal with a beautiful cross, you know, and Jai Ingham at the end of the day, good on him for being there, but it was a tap-in, but you know, it does Dante Mariner. So a lot of these younger players who are probably on the verge, I think we'll discuss it later on when we're talking about uh, MPL as well. Um, yeah, like I said, they saw an opportunity and a lot of them, I think, stood up. So I think, you know, it's it's looking actually pretty positive at the moment as far as squad depth that, you know, it goes beyond the 23, 24 at the moment that are senior contracted. I think you've got a number of young players that are certainly capable, you know, should there be an injury crisis. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I was just looking away there for a second. Uh, then there was game two on Sunday, which was a 3 1 win. Yep, 3-1 to Brisbane over Newcastle. I can't remember the scores off the top uh, of my head. Brad Bradyman a double, and Merz Moradovic got on the score sheet. Who I think is probably going to be that fourth striker, and for all the people in our you know Facebook and Twitter comment section, probably the reason that they're not going to sign Andy Pengelly either. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. right, Merz has been in the setup for a while. I think this is a big year for him to step up. If he's going to become an A-League player, it's got to be this season. There's an opportunity there for him to get... To get game time, if something did happen to Roy O'Donovan or Aaron and Marty Holloway, there's a starting berth up there. Oh, there's a spot on the bench, I should say, potential. Over so it's under? a big chance for him. Over under, hang on, let me do the quick maths here. 450 A-League minutes for Dante, uh, for not uh, for Muratovic this year. Under. Under. you got Jai Ingram as well, who will play up there, and Brad Emmons played there in pre-season, so under, it'll that's be under. That's not a slot on him, I think. just you know, Obviously, he's still young. You know, you, like I said, you, you want to hope that these, these prospects spend years in the system, not... Yeah, you know, a one-season flash. So yeah, look under, but you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing. Fair enough. I just, I just got curious, to be honest. <laughs> All right, now we're uh, going to move over to the W League side. Before we should mention Perth won, Newcastle won in the final game of that tournament. And Perth continued their tradition of not winning penalty shootouts. That's right. <laughs> All right, so uh, now on to the important news. Uh, Mel Andretta announced yesterday that she's departing the Raw to take up a role with the national team. So, you know, fantastic spell in her time with Brisbane. But my first reaction was, okay, so she's going to be the next Matildas coach. Yeah, that's I thought, and that may be sort of the way the timeline's sort of working out. That you know, especially if um, even if the Matildas make it all the way to the Olympics, they've got a very very tough uh, qualifying campaign to go through. There's no lay down Mazet. They're going they're going to even get to Tokyo. Um, obviously, Ante Milicic here at some point in the next uh, in the next year will take up his post at Macarthur. And um, like I said, I think that put, that puts uh, Melon sort of in the box seat. I think to be the next Matildas coach. You now, whether that happens or not, we'll see. But that seems to be way in because I know we were talking about when um, Alan Stadich got removed. That you know that potentially she was going to be. But yeah. when we spoke to her, you know, the after day the after, game. yeah, that I think it's actually after Sydney because um, Ante Juric was also there. You're yeah, right. after the yeah, yeah so we at had Blind Stadium there straight after that. Yeah, so and she, I don't think she was keen back then, but you know, going to a World Cup, you know, a lot more time to sort of reflect on that. Maybe it is her time, but you know, either way, we wish her all the best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if they are going to do that, can they just do it now? Because I don't, I don't think Ante Milicic coaches that side terribly well. So I, you're right. The path to Tokyo is a tough one for the Matildas. Uh, after what I saw at the World Cup, I don't, I wasn't terribly convinced. So I would happily see that change. That's so a great opportunity for Mel, even if it is just an assistance role. To, be around that environment. It's a great learning experience for her to be, to be over at the World Cup, now to be part of the national team, so going to the Olympics potentially. As a coach, that's the sort of um, experience that you want. 
and I think also as well, it just shows the mark of you know this sort of the personality yeah. and the integrity of of Mel is that with all this going on, like she could very very easily have tried to combine the Raw and National Team, but obviously there's a lot more at play. There's a lot more, and like I said she's doing the the, the, the gracious thing by stepping away and allowing sort of the raw to be their own thing rather than her being trying to do both. I think that's I think that's very gracious. I know, I'm not sure many coaches yeah. would do that. Yeah. It would have been really difficult because the Matildas have international games during the W League season, which would have taken Mel away from training for a prolonged period of time. And also, you've got to do video analysis work for the Matildas. You've got to scout players, all that sort of work. It would have been very very difficult to do both those jobs at once. Yeah, definitely. And look, I think I speak for all three of us when I said you know first time we met her like said, yeah. this is going to be a coach that's mm. destined for things bigger than with all due respect the W League and now it's uh, coming to fruition I think, I think you find that you know that the club I think will be very supportive I know it's a it's a big loss as far as you know on the surface yeah. but you know I think on a personal level I think they've been very very supportive that you know that she moves on to the national team well look not to self-promote my own Twitter interactions right now but straight away I uh, yesterday I said, you know, it's a big loss for the Raw, but I'd be thinking this makes Andretta a leading contender for the, if not the favourite for the Matildas gig post-Tokyo. And uh, Dave Perret, the managing director of the Raw and one-time podcast guest, might have to try and get a second <laughs> second time at some point in the near future. Still a long time between drinks, that's yeah. for sure. Yes, yeah, so I very much hope Mel is in the box seat to take our country's women's team forward. Uh, will be missed, always part of the family, and it presents Jake a great opportunity to take our women's team forward. Now, Jake yes. is Jake Goodship, yeah. who's coming off a Y League title with the Brisbane Raw youth team. So as the assistant, as he was the assistant to Drew Shaver. That's right, he was. But he was. But he had a great season with the Raw in the NPL mm. season this year. For so he, he's a really good young coach. Done yep. some good work at Brisbane City before that. He's highly regarded, and he probably does deserve this opportunity. I mean, I think he's done really well with the young Raw. The players he's brought through. You talk about Dante Mariner. He's one yeah. player who's really excelled under Jake Goodship. They play an attacking, even even attacking Ramada Kari, of, um, yeah. when when he came back from Melbourne Victory. You know, I think he may have. Like I said, he gave he that Jake put still in confidence Ramat to say this is your team. You know, for the time that he was with the NYL, and they and they went on a, on a, a decent streak. So you know, he's obviously in tune. Look, it'd be very very fascinating to see how he goes from you know youth football to women's yeah. football. But you know what? If anyone can do it, he can. Because you know, yeah. I you know we've watched yeah. him over the season. You know, and he's a very very good coach. That's the only question: is how do you trans? Is it what's the translate transition like from youth football on the men's side to women's football? But they play attacking football that young raw side and. I think that'll really suit the W League side if that's the way they're going to play. We don't know who's going to be in the squad yet, but if that's the way they're going to play in the W League, I think it's a great opportunity and it could work really well. And also, just as a side note as well, you know, with working with that uh, youth development as well, there are quite a lot of good young players yeah. coming through the Raw's uh, women's setup as well, mm, yep. as we're seeing uh, around the NPLW this season. So that could be a case of, you know, uh, what am I trying to say here? Two tasks, two to birds, bring one through stone. some of those young players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. I'm glad you speak, James. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. So best of luck, Mel. You know, hopefully all, all goes well for her. And uh, that'll be it for segment one. We'll be back after this to do some NPL discussions. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Let's get back into segment two of the Brisbane Football Review at see third episode of our fourth season of doing this podcast. It's James Scott and Adam here with you tonight, this morning, or whenever you're listening to it. It's tonight when we're recording it. Yes, exactly. Um, NPL finals kick off this weekend, but let's get back into a season recap just in general of the last 
30-odd weeks. It all started back on uh, February 2nd with the Football Foundation Cup between Penn Power and Lions at Richland, and it was Penn Power that started the season with a win, and looks like we might be seeing those two facing off again in the very near future. It's possible. Was it February? I actually thought it was January for some reason it started. Did, did it seem like it? It was that long of a season. Super Bowl. I, I, speak, yeah. I speak for Sky to say... Thank God, it's over. <laughs> it's not over yet. There's two weeks no, to go. No, the regular season's over. A couple of the players I've spoken to as well have said, thank God that it's over, or <laughs> almost over. <laughs> it is ironic. It's a semi-professional league and they play more games than the professional league. Yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah it was... Oh, just looking at the run sheet now. So general thoughts on the season. That's what we want to start yeah. off with. Got to start off with best game, and for me, it's actually got to be that season opener, just with the fact that Power sprung a massive upset yeah. against Lions. To me, there's two games that stand out. It was the the um, first Gold Coast derby down at the Croatian Sports Centre. Gold Coast Knights won, Gold Coast United won. It was a pretty big build-up, and there was a really good crowd there. So it was probably bigger than most Gold Coast United A-League crowds. It was it was a really good atmosphere down there, and the way the way that game panned out, you can actually see that rivalry really brewing and that was a great experience to be out there for that and the other one was Knights for Olympic the first time in the league that was an incredible game we've been waiting six months for it after their grand final drama they had there and we were waiting to see would it live up and boy did it live up it was an amazing game so to me they're the two that stand out over I, the long 30 game I, I have one game that stands out and that was the grand, the grand final rematch between Lions Olympic at Lions where you thought oh finally you know, Olympic might claw back and then Lions pull it out again Lions do a Lions yeah do a Lions and you know it's um yeah that's that, that for me was the, the standout game but you're right there too you, I, I didn't see I wasn't in the country when Power played Lions in the um in the season opener, but I do agree with you about um Olympic and Knights. That was the first. The, uh, I also do have a bit of a sentimental attachment to Power Lions as well because that was the first time I've ever done uh, commentary, and I was uh, Rafe Griffin's yeah. color commentator for that game. And boy, what an what an initiation! I will, I'll throw you under on, on the spot here. Now you called a lot of games this year, and also all three ga- leagues. Best game you called. It would have been NPLW, I want to say round 11 or so. It would have been uh, Gold Coast United hosting Lions, a 2-2 draw where a admittedly understrength Lions side got really pushed by Gold Coast. And I'm drawing a blank on the Gold Coast keeper's name as well. My apologies if anyone from Gold Coast United are listening right now. But she had an absolutely phenomenal game, four or five huge saves. That was the best one I've been there for. Britt Hargreaves. Britt Hargreaves, thank you very much. I knew... Yeah. I, yeah, and uh, to Adam. Yeah, well done. <laughs> I could, all I could remember was Izzy Shuttleworth because the 15-year-old was filling yeah. in for Cassie Zafina from Lions. So it was yeah, that was the best game I've done. And I also remember the fact that it dropped about 15 degrees in the space of 15 minutes uh, at Talabudra there as that well. That would never happen there at the base <laughs> of the mountains, there would it? Never. I would happily go back to that venue again. Best commentary position though, since we're going on this. East uh, Friday night when I was doing uh, East against Capalabar. High, centre of the pitch, fantastic viewing uh, lines, and stairs to get up there. Okay. And I think even the view looking out as well would be pretty nice as well. Yeah, we got the city skyline and the story bridge right there. Well, best media position I reckon would be Gold Coast Knights right on the halfway line on that tower. Putting aside lines, they've got, I was the, say, they've got the, yeah. massive, the massive advantage gonna, with the, the clubhouse say, deck. You, but you'd be very hard pressed yeah. to beat lines. In terms of actual, I thought Gold Coast Knights up was yeah, very, that, good that's very good. And yeah. the in-game conversations with Sue at Lions as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
which we can always <laughs> count on for in-game entertainment yeah. as well. Uh, we should probably also say, you know, even though there's still a bit of time to go, big thanks to all the clubs that have put up with us mm, this season yeah, as absolutely. well. You know, yeah. we've been very accommodating actually with the access they provided to the coaches throughout the NPL post-game games, the NPL post-game shows that we've done. So, absolutely thank you to all clubs for that. Yeah, we do appreciate that as well because obviously this is a labour of love for all of us and when they do make it easy for us like that it makes the effort worth it. Anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but not more I can add that I absolutely agree. You know, it's been, it's been a pleasure and it's been, I say a long season but it's been a very, very good season as well. And let's be honest, like, out of all things you could be doing on a Saturday night, going to like some of these football games yeah. have been mm. pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, player of the season. Alright, let's start with Adam. Oh, geez, put me on the spot here. <laughs> well, uh, I keep going to Scott first. Yeah, go Scott. <laughs> I can answer if you want. I got, I'm looking straight at Scott. Yeah. yeah. And so Actually, no, no, no. I do I do have my... Look, I, I can't go past Andy Pengelly. You know, you, you, yep. like to score, you know, the amount of goals he scored one season. Um, it, 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 yeah, so it just, there. Yeah, like I said, that's just unprecedented. It's a record haul and that's it for me. That's, it makes him the best. It's the easy answer. Ditto. All yeah, right. It just has to be 41 goals. Speaks for itself. Yeah, exactly. And I know we said in segment one that you know the, he might not be the right option for the Roar at the moment, but another one of these clubs could do a lot worse than picking him up as well. Hey, maybe Victory could uh, pick him up and season him for a bit before he comes uh, back up here next Se- year. Seems to be yeah. the path now. But, um... In all seriousness, if it's not an A-League club, there's some clubs in Southeast Asia in some of those leagues where he could get an opportunity as well. We've seen... Naboo go over that way, Petralos go over that way, get their chance and come back. So, if it's not the A League, there's a professional gig out there for him somewhere yeah. if he wants. No, it. look, I, I agree on that. Yeah, you know, it may not be the Brisbane Roar because at the end of the day, you know, Brisbane have got their own path, and, like, and you don't just go pick buying players for the sake of it because that's how you, that's how you ruin them. But yeah, look, a lot of these professional clubs are mad not to have a serious look at Andy Pengelly. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, best of luck to whatever uh, future holds for him. Uh, they've still got. They still have competitive football to look forward to with the FA Cup yep. quarterfinal, although they did make the finals for NPL. So, well, at least they've got something to play for. They do. Uh, all right, now, you two have put together your teams of the season. Oh, dear. So, let's... And uh, now, so, uh, Scott, why don't you take us through the rules for these? So, we basically... Adam and I talked about this at one of the games about six weeks ago. So, we'll make a team of the season, and the rules were it had to be a proper team. You couldn't just pick a fantasy team of strikers at left back etc and so you've got a starting 11 and a five player bench and it's players playing in their accurate position so so uh, send all complaints to Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com care of Scott and Adam yep. <laughs> yes okay so Scott who is your keeper so I, it was a tough call but I went with Luke Borian in goal t- t- 20 conceded 13 clean sheets so I was, to me it's a reward for for the fact they kept the most clean sheets and conceded the fewest goals. So I went with Luke Borian. Back four, I put Brindle South at right back. He was great at left back. He's even better at right back. Left back is the aforementioned Matt Schmidt, who was playing last night for Newcastle. I think he was terrific left back. It's really unfortunate the way he got injured when he was at the Raw and they used to the fact he didn't progress into that. So, so they're my two fullbacks. Centre backs, Tommy Jarrod and Oscar Dillon. Really good young players. Although Tommy Jarrod was... He held that back four together at Lions this year. Um, Matt, Mateus Simic was injured a fair, fair amount of the season, so I went with him for that. And Oscar Dillon was really good for Gold Coast Knights every time I saw him play. So that's my back four. Midfield three, I got Danny Kim holding midfielder. I think he's the best player in that position by a fair way in the NPL Queensland. He's really, really good in that role. He's stronger in the tackle now as well, which is another string to his bow. Alongside him, Steve White and Mitch Hoare. I think they're really good creative players. 
Mitchell's chipped in with a lot more goals this year as well, so I've gone with that. And the front three picks themselves, Chris Lucas, Andy Pengelly, and I went with Dean Briggs. 17 goals in 15 games. I know he missed a lot of the season, first half of the season, but that sort of impact, if you extrapolate that out over the course of a full season, that would be 30-plus goals guaranteed. And my bench is Bond Scott, Chris Janczewski, the defender from Peninsula Power. He was... Every time Peninsula defender was going to make a last-ditch tackle or a block, it was him. So And Sam Cronin as well. I thought in the first half of the season when Peninsula were flying, he was the man. He was. You mentioned that Foundation Shield game. He was the player who took that game Absolutely, by the scruff yeah. of the neck and won that for Peninsula. And that wasn't the only game he did that in. And I, do, I don't think it's a coincidence that when he got injured, Peninsula's form started to dip. And then I went with Jez Lofthouse, obviously, and then John Carlos Salorsno. All right, uh, let's go over to Adam. Jeez, you actually reminded me a few players I might have missed. I need to add to the honourable mentions. <laughs> now I'm worried about who I've missed from your team, but anyway. All right, so my so my team of the year, I agree with Scott on the goalkeeper, Luke Boring. Look, I think... It, it was actually, I found it hard to actually um, to try and peg it down. I thought that was, for me, the toughest position, yeah. but I think at the end of the day, they're the premiers, Luke Boring, sort of, you know, and that, and that defence. Um, so so he's, he's my pick. In defence, Josh Brindle South. And uh, Christian Sevsky is here as a fullbacks. Um, my centre backs are Tommy Jarrard and Michael McGowan from Strikers. I think um, Michael McGowan. I think when he came back, that's when the Strikers resurgence. How I think that he always him. He made Matt Richardson a better player. I think he made that, that just a back four. So I think he deserves his props there. My midfield, Max Brown, scored scored a few goals. Um, sort of out of midfield for uh, Gold Coast Knights. Jake McLean. Um, I think on his day, I think he's the best midfielder in in the NPL. There might be a few that may disagree, but I think on his day, he's better. And I've, I've actually got Dean Briggs in midfield. Okay. As uh, and then in attack, I'm throwing the protest flag at that as a starting <laughs> point. Denied. <laughs> Denied. And um, for for me, the forwards are Chris Lucas, uh, Andy Pangeli, and I thought John Carlos Solzano. Um, I think um, I think he he pretty much was you know City who finished sixth in the end. I think they. They, I think, his goals and look, and he he looked as good as he was, you know, maybe, you know, since he was in his A League days because he was really, really good, especially in the later half of the season. My reserves, um, I've actually got Jack Richards from Redlands as my reserve goalkeeper. I thought, despite you know some early hiccups, I think his form, I think, obviously, I think he he was very, very good. Um, Hiroki Omori uh, on the bench, Harry Talbot for from Brisbane Youth. I thought he he. Played the majority of the season, you know, in and out, and I thought he was a standout. I think he's a real prospect going forward. Jordan Farina on the bench, and uh, Michael Lyle as yep. my bench. That's my uh, MPL Queensland team of the year. I do like the call of Michael Lyle as well, because he was, like, the I saw him play Sunshine Coast Fire, and he was just head and shoulders the best player on the pitch that night. And I have half a dozen honourable mentions yeah. as well, so... A couple yeah. of all mentions. You mentioned Max Brown. I had him really, yeah. really close to being on my bench. It was... He, Alex Fechner, and Sam Cronin for that one yeah. midfield spot on the bench. That was the one that gave me the most cause to pause. And I will also say Kato Aochi and Jordan Farina were, were also really good and considered for that bench spot. But... I, just, I just can't believe I missed Steve White. Yeah. Uh, but again, it, it, yeah, that, that was sort of a tough one. And also as well, um, I also thought Mirza Muradovic probably as well probably could have been there. I think I had him in there for a while, but then I sort of, yeah, it was a toss-up between him and Michael Lyle for that last reserve spot. And yeah, I think um, yeah, Lyle at the end of the day, I think for what he did for Magpies to sort of, you know, even though they just survived, like without him, they're relegated. 
certainly. All right, uh, let's go on to lightning round to discuss the teams not playing finals. Mm-hmm. Go from the bottom up. So uh, in 15th place, Sunshine Coast, seven points. Silver lining for them. They didn't concede over 100 goals this year. It's ridiculous. Look, three years, they've played, won three games and had six draws in three years. Something has to drastically change there at that club. I know they've got a lot of young players. And they, they are doing well in the younger yeah, leagues. And I think they also sent a couple of players over to the US college system lately as well, but... For th- over a three-year stretch, that's just not good enough. You've got to be more competitive, and that's got to be the goal for them. Whatever league they're in next year, they've got to be more competitive. Because they play in a nice area as yeah. well. But... Look, uh, look, I think they show glimpses from time to time, but it's just, just so few and far between. But uh, look, I just hope that they're responsible enough to see that, you know what, that they've got a good young system coming through. There's no point throwing all these young kids to slaughter, getting belted every week. And look, they got belted nearly every week. Um, I, I don't know how that how that works for youth development or anything like that. so you know, maybe dropping back to a second tier be it FQPL whatever they're going to call it next season you know, I think we'll be better off to let these kids develop at their own speed and then you unleash them in a couple of years time maybe they can get back to the fire that we know of four or five years ago but at the moment yeah their place in the MPL it would be really um, disappointing if they find another technicality to stay on top flight because they don't deserve to be there Appropriately challenged is probably the phrase. You want to be challenged appropriately to their level. Yes, exactly. I think we've seen that MPL at the moment is not their level. Definitely. All right. Uh, Southwest Queensland Thunder, 18 points. Um, your notes here, Scott. Solid yep. enough at home, poor away. Too many goals conceded. One win, two draws away from home, five points. That's yeah. probably... Look, they were pretty close to being in that battle with Pride and Magpies to stay up. That's probably what did them in. The home form wasn't too bad. And from, A couple more points memory, away yeah. and maybe they're... They're out of the bottom three. And from memory, they had a couple of really close losses at home as well, like where yeah. some teams did struggle with the trip up to Toowoomba. I am yeah. disappointed that I didn't get up there this yeah. season, but circumstances, yeah. I suppose. Peninsula's one of them. Yeah. There was 2-1, and they had a goal ruled out for offside, which I still don't think was offside. That could have been a completely different game at 2-all. So you're right, they had a lot of close moments at home. But I, it's really the away form. But that's also been. where you talk about appropriately challenged yeah. as well, where they were able to be competitive at times. They just yeah. need to be more competitive. Yeah. I just think, yeah, that... Um, the stat out of them only five players play 20 or more games um, and that, that sort of that, that has to struggle with consistency with squad stability and all that but I think not as harshly as what I think of um, Sunshine Coast but I think yeah maybe a season or two in a lower division against more appropriate opposition I think we'll see them because again I think they're another one which uh, they, they've got some good young players coming through but again throw them to the wolves of the likes of the top teams in MPL I don't know what that does to their progress and then they they end up up and leaving the better, better ones. That's right. Well, speaking of up and leaving, you've got Western Pride as well, who unfortunately paid the price for a lot of off-season yeah. player departures. We know Liam from uh, Queensland Soccer is fan. He's, I think, possibly the most invested in Western Pride I've seen of yeah. anyone at NPL level. Apologies, yeah. Joel, for no. your Lions investment. but No, I think the fact that that group, the pit, travelled to, ever, had someone at every single game up and down the state, Does that, 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 is, that absolutely puts mm-hmm. them at the top of the... Talk about top of the supporter rankings. That's them. But the team, you're right. They just quite, weren't quite good enough at the start of the year. They came good late, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, and that was one thing that, like, I remember Liam was talking about even as far back as January, February, saying this was going to be a struggle for yeah. them just because of the fact that so many players left. I think, like, they had Duckworth go to uh, Lions. Lions. To Lions, yeah. And the one thing that did surprise me about them as well, they had Cameron Crestani playing in midfield and actually looking like a pretty solid option there. Well, they even had Andy Pengelly on the books until he up and left and you know, went to strikers. And, you know, we don't, we don't know what, you know, the, the, in the... Uh, into the mirror universe what that could happen if Andy Pengelly stayed but um, 
for, for Western Pride. But look, at the end of the day, that's, I, I agree that the, probably the saddest thing about that is, you know, the pit. There's such a dedicated uh, sort of group of supporters, you know, and yeah, it's a, it's a shame. But you know what? It's going to make for an interesting Ipswich Derby next year. Yes, actually, I was going to say that. Yeah. Again, is yeah. you know, silver lining seem to have been the theme of what I've yeah. been talking about for the last. Of those three, they're the ones you'd say you're, you're most confident would be back in the NPL at some point in the very near future with the talent pool they had to choose yeah. from. Yeah. And they were very unfortunate to go down. Hopefully, one step forward, you know, two steps back, right? Because we know what two they steps are. Forward, one step back, you mean? Oh no, no, but one step back to go forward. Yeah, I think yeah. That's yeah. sort of what I'm trying to say. And like I so said, these are like the the 2017 you know NPL champions, yeah. you know. But look, let's just hope that you know they can be back soon. And surviving by just one point were Magpies Crusaders. I think this was, with all due respect to Western Pride, I think this was absolutely necessary. I don't know how Magpies would have gone down in FQPL or the second yeah. division or whatever. I think, you know, they did very well to stay up this year. They got enough points, including a huge win against Olympic. Yeah, that was the game I think Adam put down in our run sheet. Is he identified that as the game which <laughs> which was the one that helped them stop. I think it's actually the game at East that we were at where they managed to win that game huge around the time they fake up. I think they beat Brisbane City the, the week before or week after as well. So that those two results, I think, were the ones that kept them in the league. That The ability to get a couple of results away from home eventually was ju- just good enough. And look, again, I think they're a really good side, actually, on their day. And that club is yeah. developing as well. Because you've got to yeah. remember, what, 18 months ago, it was started pretty much from scratch. Yeah, mm. yeah look, and that, that's the thing is that, they, again, yeah, it's if you could take your pick... And I say it's all with all due respect to some pride. Now I'm I'm relieved in a way that Magpies are still in there because like I said they've got a number of good players coming through. Even now the games that we saw them live, which was only a handful, but like I said, um, that, that win against um, against East when we're at Heath Park, that was a crushing win. That was shows them at their best. And look, they they obviously um, they had a bit of a charmed run as far as you know the drawing of teams in the FFA Cup, but still you've got to get there. Yeah. You know it, sometimes you know in despair. They could very easily drop the game, you know, in the in yeah. their qualifying rounds. Yeah. And it is the National Premier League's Queensland, not the National Premier League's Brisbane. So it's great to have a team from up north. Yeah, and I know a lot of players year. look forward to that that weekend away as well. And I know a lot of teams are looking forward to that draw in the FFA Cup yes. as well. <laughs> and they wound up getting a trip to Victoria instead. Yes. Also, the other reason why I'm very happy they're staying around, I can't wait to see what kits they pull out next year. They've had some great ones, haven't they? I've got to get my hands on that FFA Cup jersey. That yep. was... Well, actually, either of them, because they were both awesome. Might have to make a call. Yeah, send a message through. We'll see if anyone's listening. <laughs> anyway, uh, number 11, Morton Bay United. Uh, youngsters, kind of the same story as uh, Southwest Queensland. 21 fewer points than yeah. they were last season. They got themselves in position where they got just enough points, and then they kind of started playing youngsters, and it almost bit them in the backside because it looked like at one point where Magpies were winning some games and Western Bribe were winning some games, that and Redlands were winning some games. It looked like, hang on, are they going to get suck it into this bottom three race and they did just enough to stay out of it but they are giving young players a chance I give them credit I said a while ago they had to make a choice are they going to invest in players to chase that top four or are they going to give players from their region a chance and that's what they've done and some, like the young goalkeeper whose name unfortunately escapes me uh, they brought in up in uh, Mackay yeah, he, he had a great end to the season and if that's the path they're going to go giving players from, the, from up around Adam's neck of the woods an opportunity all the better yeah, look, it was disappointing, but again, you know, they've, they've got priorities, obviously, to yeah. d- develop as well, and, you know, they're safe, so, look, it's, it's disappointing, but here's what it is. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we'll keep going as well. Um, yeah, Redlands still need to work defensively. Yeah, but they were they were much better 
from yeah. when they, when Graham Ross took over, they were a much better side. And that front three of DeBailey, Kubiyama, and Kadoaiochi's got plenty to work with. Okay, I'm going to alternate as well, yep. just because we are starting to run a little no, bit short right. of time. East, I'm pretty sure we all had them picked as about the 8th, ninth uh, place team in the comp. That's where they wound up? Uh, yeah, I, I actually thought they'd be a bit lower. I, I thought, you know, that they had some... They gave, you know, potential power some you know, rough times. I know they, they split the series, but... Um, that, that rivalry from FQPL last year but uh, look it's a, it was a one man band as far as the goal scoring goes Jordan Farina you know, scored 23 goals and then the next stuff that was 5 so almost like they need running the genetics yeah they may need to um, get a few more goal scorers on their side yes ok Scott Brisbane Royal Youth also that, on 36 points they had a very very good season actually with not just with the results their best ever I believe but the players they've brought through that's the most encouraging thing for them it's it's about who who improves their step as a player to look Moving into the A League, and I think they had a couple. We talked about Mers and Radovich had him, nearly had him in Team of the Year. Dante Mariner, there are a couple of young defenders. I thought Tyson Martin went from someone who wasn't even on the radar to be in that best young raw side. He's now a really terrific prospect, probably just behind Jordan Courtney Perkins as a defensive prospect. And I think they've shown that they've got some good young players, and it's interesting to see what they do over the summer. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Adam, Gold Coast United, strong start. Faded away late. I do like what they're building there, though. Yeah, look, that's and then, you know, again, you know, when they, they have a season they had, you know, they they got up for the two derbies. There's no question about that. And like I said, they split the series with Gold Coast Knights. Um, look, but I think they're like 25 points in the first 15 rounds, and then only 12 in the back end. But I think they knew that. I think their grand final was that second derby, and I think it really sort of devolved from there. Absolutely. All right, I want to take Brisbane City. Two things they need to fix the pitch and their jersey numbers <laughs> they also need to invest in Alex Fechner what a terrific young player a goal scorer from midfield he, he's a sort of player who you look at young players outside the raw he's one you'd want you'd think he could move into that setup okay and uh, quick answer strikers if they bring back essentially the same squad next year will they be at least challenging for the finals come the final round well they got 28 points from 45 after they turned it around halfway through the year so possibly but Pengeli, 41 goals. Next best, Maltby at seven. I think they need that second goal-scoring option because that's what the top four have. Yeah. Oh, look, I agree. Um, the, the key to it is player retention. They, they keep that same squad. Uh, they got a couple of good young players coming through the ranks, but, yeah, they, they lose a few of their top players at the moment, and it might be a struggle. But, look, Owen Baker's back. Um, Nacho Ferro, the uh, TD, is, is back. So, they're obviously, they're playing for the future, and, look, they're, they're going to be a threat next year. Yeah. And before you know it, it'll be the start of the next season. But we do have some finals to talk about, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, it's the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review, Season 4, Episode 3. James Scott and Adam here with you tonight. Uh... Any comments, questions, feedback, uh, send us an email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com or comment on a Facebook post at The Raw Review or Twitter at BNE Football. We would also love a rating on iTunes or any other podcast service that you're using to listen to us, Spotify, Wooshka, whatever. Ratings, reviews, as long as it's all positive. A little concerned about this now after the team of the seasons that we both just put out about the feedback. A little bit nervous about I, that. No, I said any specific team of the season feedback, email... <laughs> specifically care of Scott and Adam. All right. We've spoken about the rest. Now let's get on to the best from the NPL uh, seasons. And we're going to start off with the NPL semifinals. First semifinal is, let me just double check that one. Lions v Olympic. Yes, that's right. It's 1v4 first up. Saturday, 6.30pm, AJ Kelly Park at uh, Redcliffe. Lions 
yeah, 74 points, Olympic 57. Oh, boy, this is going to be a good one. It will be. Lions won. It but could be the biggest football game taking place in southeast Queensland of any code on Saturday night. I strongly agree with that sentiment. <laughs> There's no other game on Saturday night, is there? Yeah, well. <laughs> Look, take, the, take the odds of Lions into Lions. <laughs> <laughs> with the Broncos as well, why not? No. Anyway. No. Too yes. much talk about other codes here. Lions won both games against the Olympic this season, but it's, they were it's they were really close games, particularly the first one. That game could have gone either way. The second one was after the Olympics FFA Cup clash, and I think they ran out of legs. But this, the, you mentioned the points tally there. I think that's a bit of a misreading. I think these two teams are still that close that this could go either way. There's not much between these two teams at all. Realistically, I would be tipping extra time for this one. The neutral venue will be um, be interesting as well. Uh, sort of not sure how that. Well, I do know how, but yeah, I don't. Not sure if I personally agree with it. But um, look, having a neutral venue for Lions Olympic, look, doesn't matter where it is, it's always going to be a great game. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, I I don't mind the idea of the neutral venues for the finals, especially uh, for a one-off playoff. I'm not sure Redcliffe and Carrara are the two best venues for it, but look, that's oh. just my opinion. I yeah. we're about to get to a semi-final. It isn't going to be neutral, given yeah. who finished second. But I just. I just think 30 game regular season in the league surely the reward for excellence in that isn't just a spot in the National Premier League final series it's a home semi-final surely well once upon a time you that, finish first yeah. you're guaranteed you know a semi-final and a final if you got yeah. basically ran the gauntlet so yeah I think you know Lions might be a bit a bit yeah. upset that you know they didn't get they, they didn't host the whole way through, but you're you know right. What? Though. It is going to. Th- it is a really interesting dynamic of both teams going to have to travel a fair way up to Redcliffe for this game. I mean, and that could be the great yeah. leveler. Hmm. I mean, it is interesting how that's going to is how's that going to pan out? Because you're right, it's a ground that both have played at this year, but not regularly. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, it, it's well, silver lining is AJ Kelly Park is a good venue. Oh, it's a great oh, yes. venue. Yeah, so we got that as well, and. Yeah, I don't know. All right. On the game, though, it's just interesting to see what are Olympic going to do because the last few weeks they've played their young players in the NPL. They put all their focus on the FFA Cup. Even But even the last weekend when they had no FFA Cup to worry about, they still played all their young players. How will they get... Are they, they'll be fresh, but is that... Is, what sort of impact is that going to have? This is the X factor of it all, is that, you know, there has been Khan, you know, sort of as he, as he sort of, as I say, deliberate... Well, we know it's a deliberate act, but, you know... So taking that risk of you know playing a fresh team, you know against the battle-hardened Lions, you know who basically got a very stable, you know squad, you know it could either be genius or go. You know it's but you know what in these semi-final situations you've got to go all in, and I think that's what he's done. So you know guts for trying, and we'll see what happens because obviously whatever's happened in the past hasn't worked as well as you'd like. So. He's throw, tried throw the too. wild card in there. He's tried plenty as well. Yeah. Remember he played, left Jez Lofthouse on the bench in that FFA Cup round of 32 mm. tie last year and came off the bench and had a massive impact. So he's tried plenty to get over the top of lines. It just hasn't worked. I just wonder if this weekend might be the weekend where it does work. And I absolutely agree with you. These sides, you know, even though the ladder doesn't agree with that, these sides are that close. Yeah. So maybe the, that, you know, that X factor may be the difference. So look, all I know is going to be a hell of a game on Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. And Football Queensland will be streaming that as per usual. And check it out because I think it's going to be a phenomenal yeah. game. Yeah, nothing else worth watching on Saturday night at all. Absolutely. All right. And then my second choice might actually, after that game, might be the Wallabies warm up friendly for the World Cup. Anyway. It's our thing. 
Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, the other sport that has international competition. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Gold Coast Knights, Penn Power, Sunday, 6pm, Croatian Sports Centre at Carrara. I would love to be there, but I've got to be up at 3am Monday for the NFL. So. It's not a great timing, is it? 6pm down on the Gold Coast, particularly if you are Peninsula Power having to travel from Redcliffe all the way down there, but... On the plus side, they're going against the traffic. Yeah, this will yeah. be a this will be another really great game. They've played three times this year, I believe. It's two one to the Knights when you include the FFA Cup, but it'll be cheers will be a good game between these two sides. Knights have been really consistent over the last six weeks, really just hammering on that door to see if they can force Lions into a slip up. It didn't happen in the league, but they've been really consistent. And I think they've got a good. They should probably be favourites for this game. Yeah. Look, I think Knights on paper, I think, got the most solid, settled yeah. side. I think they've, they've got their... They've, they've sort of got everything sort of as far as, you know, stability goes. Again, I think Penn Power is the one that brings the X Factor. Their form has been, in the second half of the season, been up and down. But we know what they're capable yeah. of on their day. And, um, yeah, it's almost like the... Um, it, it's like I said, it's the, it's the constant versus the variable. Yeah. You know, we know that not, Knights are going to be there, yeah. there and about, and they're going to be right in it. But, you know, if Penn Power can do what we know they can do... This could go either way as well. The reason I would actually give the edge to Knights in this game ever so slightly is because of the guys they've got, like yeah. Matt Smith yep. Smith, and uh, Mitch Nichols, the guys who have done it at a higher level. Yep. And, you know, in a you know 1-1 game, 78th minute or something, they're capable of, if you're Matt Smith, making that crucial block yep. to preserve the scoreline yep. as is, or if you're Mitch Nichols going, oh, hang on, I'm occasionally pretty damn good at this. It's interesting about that point because it was actually Mitch Nichols who broke the game open in the FFA Cup in a when it got to extra time, so that's that could very well happen again. And with Peninsula, and I think we'd be remiss yeah. to not mention to not mention Shannon yeah. Brady as well, just absolutely, for the sake but of not getting yelled at. With Peninsula, it's interesting who's actually going to play because they've had so many injuries throughout the season, and I haven't seen him play for a while. Who's actually fit there? Because we've had seen Luke Plummer go down with injury at times. We've seen Dean Briggs miss the first half of the year. Sam Cronin missed a bunch of time. Who's actually fit there? Are these play if they've got their best team on the field? They can absolutely win this final series, but if they've got some injuries, they're going to be tough for them. I can say, obviously, at the end of the day, to go to to run the board under, like, yeah. win all against every club in the first half of the season. Look, that's that's, that's not fluke stuff. No, that, that 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 is a darn good team, and you know, and I know the results. I guess caught up with them in the second half of the season, but as I said, we know the side is capable. It's just where they bring on the night, yeah, you know, home field advantage, you know gone because obviously having to travel the Gold Coast that might be going against them but look you know, you know to make a serious prediction look I think it's just going to be a hell of a good game that's about all let, let, let the chips fall where they may yeah definitely I think the, I feel like it's Lions to lose but I feel like if any any of the two teams any of the four teams I mean put together their best performance of the season they will be crowned NPL yeah. champions the most consistent team of the yep. next two weeks will win I do think Olympic might beat them this week it's purely because I, they put so much effort into retaining that that Premier's plate, or Premiership, whatever you want to call it, in the NPL. They put so much emotional effort into that, and Olympic have been resting, and they've, they've been waiting. Olympic, I think, realised when Lions beat them in the league about six, eight weeks ago, they went right. In the league, our next game that really matters is that semi-final, because we know we'll probably finish fourth, we'll probably play Lions again. We're going to gear ourselves for that day. So I think they've been waiting for this day for a while. And what we know of Ben Khan as well, they will be well prepared for this game. Yeah. The final thoughts on the final series. Look, I think Gold Coast Knights might yeah. be the the dark horse. Like, yeah. so they would have been stung and disappointed that they didn't make it through the FFA Cup. Yeah. And I think you know, they've been waiting for this. I think their yeah. form is geared up to this. Look, I think they they might be the ones. Yeah. But look, 
any of the four sides have got an equal chance. I just think, yo, this is going to be a great two weeks. Well, it's all to play for over the next couple of weeks. If you can, get to the games in person because I think the atmosphere at all of these games is going to be phenomenal. Yep. If not, check out FQ on uh, Facebook and YouTube because I'm pretty sure they'll be streaming all of those finals through there. Another thing they will be streaming, of course, is the MPL Women's Final Series, which is going to take place over the next three weeks. And, well, I'm assuming I'll probably be involved in some way, shape or form with that, even if it's just as a spectator. So definitely get out to those games that he's calling. <laughs> see if I... But no, it starts this weekend, right? Oh, yeah. 16 I, I, no, finals series as opposed to four, so... Yeah, as much as I would love to have people watching if I'm calling any of these finals, I would much rather have a better atmosphere <laughs> at the game because it is a lot more fun for me to call when you've got a crowd behind it as well and a little bit of atmosphere to really get into. Yes. That's all, I'll, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, so, this weekend, it's Gap 3 uh, taking on East at Cornubia Park. I really like Gap in this game. East, yep. I saw them on Friday night. They're capable of a moment of magic, but I feel like Gap, front to back, are a much more solid team. I think Gap might take the whole final series. With what Lions and Morton Bay having to deal with in terms of they had a bye, they had a catch-up weekend, not having games in the final round of the season in Morton Bay's case. I just think a lack of competitive fixtures late in the year might unfortunately do both those two sides in they start favourites but the Gap have been playing consistently every week and I think they might be able to get I mean you know what they're like the Gap in terms of the women's league they are ruthless even they're, though they've they, got Ruth Blackburn they are they are absolutely but they're also mm. consistently always always right there although East did beat Gap as well and yeah. I know they weren't too happy about that uh, I think that was a few weeks ago and we should point out as well East they, if nothing else they've got momentum they've kept like four or five straight clean sheets yeah. now so you just have to wait and see how it, ha- how it goes. The other semi-final, Gold Coast against Capalabar Sunday at John Fredericks Park. Again, I really like Gold Coast in this one. I think this could actually be a big win. Look, I think um, Gold Coast showed that, you know, I, I don't know either how hard out the lines are going on um, Saturday, but to still hold a nil all, um, I think that's a fair... But as far as Capalabar goes, I think uh, they run... I think their run is sort of, you know, they're, they're petering out, unfortunately. I think uh, losing Vicky Lyons over the season, I think that's... Who has been commenting on all of the live streams as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think she's, she's, the, she's the difference with that side. And I think, um, yeah, I, I just think that, yeah, maybe that the time might be up on them. But look, you never know. This is fine. You will see, though, in this game, two of the best defenders that I've actually had the pleasure yeah. of calling this season. You've got Katie Cooper is from Kapalabar and you've got Momo Hayashi from uh, Kapalabar as well. Yeah, I was going to say, the only thing that's even keeping I was going to say is Katie Cooper is from what the games I've seen, she's just immense as a defender and I think... Did I, I think those two... Around no, you got it right. You got okay. it right. Yeah, yeah. For Sorry, Kapalabar, yeah. yeah. Being at Kapalabar might make a big difference though. But I did think Gold Coast and I, when they played at Lions at the weekend, they were very solid against a Lions team who, okay, they rested some players but... They were still looking to get the results in what is their last competitive game for a couple yeah. of weeks. So to hold them to nil all is a good achievement. Definitely. And so then in the semifinals, it's basically, if you're an NFL fan, it's the same as the conference playoff systems there. Lions... Oh, it's play- an A-League set up, really. That too, yeah. yeah. Who copied the NFL? Yep. <laughs> uh, so Lions uh, will play the lowest-ranked winner. So it'll either be Gold Coast, Capalabar, or Easts. Uh, and Morton Bay will play the highest-ranked winner. So it'll either be Gap, Gold Coast, or Capalabar. Yep. That's it. And then the grand final will be uh, the weekend after that. So we've got three weeks of MPL Women's Semi-Finals. I'm looking forward to both competitions. I think we're going to be in for a real treat over the next three weeks. Get out and watch the games if you can. That's. I think yeah. I think it's a good thing as well is that, you know, unlike last year where the the MPL Women's Final was buried, you know, sort of, was buried sort of, you know, a couple of hours before the men's final. To have it on a standalone weekend, I think it's, you know, I think, you know, Football Queensland should be praised for that, for promoting the women's game. Because look, yeah. 
I if 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 things go well, like I don't think you can go wrong with you know, between lines, Morton Morton Bay and the Gap, those three sides, that that final, two of those three sides in the final, and even then that's not even yeah. riding off any of the others, but on form, those three sides, it's going to be a tremendous game of football. And we've seen way. Gold Coast cause trouble for mm. the top teams as well. I think. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, we've been talking for too long, I think, now. Yeah. Oh, That's going to be yes. it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you, guys. I think uh, those semi-finals are just about to start, aren't they? Yeah. I think the new season's about to start. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So, uh, good luck to strikers in the FFA Cup quarterfinal coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, good luck to all the teams involved in the State League finals. We'll be looking forward to getting to as much of that as possible. We'll be back to good recap. Good luck to the Roar in whatever they're doing in pre-season as well. Yeah, well, and they're we'll playing in Harvey Bay soon, aren't they? Yeah, and I think they've got a kit launch coming up as well. Yes. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll focus more on the Roar in a few weeks as well once it gets closer to yeah. A League season as well, because this is of course the Brisbane Football Review. We do cover the Roar, but we also cover all the other local football as well. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening as well. Uh, pleasure as always, and we'll be back to wrap up the NPL finals series in a few weeks. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later.